Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's sermon was given by Senior Pastor, Reverend Dr. Ray Hilton. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Good morning. Our scripture reading today is from the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 18, verses 1 through 11, which you will find in the Old Testament section of our Pew Bibles on page 739 or on the screen behind me. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Almighty God, in you are hidden all the treasures and knowledge. Open our eyes that we may see the wonders of your word and give us grace that we may clearly understand and freely choose that way of your wisdom. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Jeremiah 18, verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Come, go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. The vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel, as seemed good to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Can I not do with you, O house of Israel, just as this potter has done, says the Lord? Just like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. At one moment, I may declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it. But if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will change my mind about the disaster that I intended to bring on it. And at another moment, I may declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it. But if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will change my mind about the good that I had intended to do to it. Now, therefore, say to the people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, thus says the Lord, look, I am a potter shaping evil against you and devising a plan against you. Turn now, all of you, from your evil way and amend your ways and your doings. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Great to see all of you here with us this morning and those of you who have joined us online. We come now to sort of this brief journey that we've been on. I started out with this grand idea of wanting to sort of dive into parts of the prophetic books, and that was a tall order. There are 12 of them, and we only took snippets from three of them. And we looked in the book of Amos, we looked at Isaiah, 
and we've spent a little bit of time in Jeremiah. And my big takeaway, I don't know about you, but my big takeaway is that these prophets are always raising tough questions. They're always raising important questions, particularly about the nature of God. That's maybe the big question that many of the prophets will raise. Who is God? What is God up to? And why does God's ways seem so arbitrary, as some might think? And if you read Habakkuk, you will hear the kinds of questions that he's raising. But it's also raising not just questions about God, but the prophets were also raising questions about human responsibility. And we see this written large in chapter 18 of Jeremiah. And we haven't even read the whole chapter. We just read the first 11 verses. Talking about human responsibility, have you heard the story about the mountain climber who almost reached the top and he slipped and he's on his way down and he reaches out and he grabs onto sort of a, a piece of a branch, a scraggy kind of tree that's sticking out of the side of the mountain and he held onto it. And as he clung to the branch, he noticed that he could see it, see the branch starting to detach from the side of the mountain. He could see the, the veins of the roots starting to, 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 to pull out. And he knew at that moment that the longer he holds on to this branch, he's going down, going down to a certain death. And it's at that moment that the mountain climber looked up to the heavens and he cried out to the heavens. He said, please, if anyone is out there, help me. Can you help me? And to his surprise, there came this deep sort of uh, baritone voice of God. I am here. I can hear you. I will help you. Let go and trust me. Let go and trust me. So think about it for a second. This Mountain climbers in desperate straits cries out for help. And this voice that we will imagine, it's the voice of God, says, yes, I'm here and I will help you. Let go and trust. And what does the man do? The man looked up to the heaven. Then he looked down in the valley. And then he said, is anyone else out there? Can you help me? And I laughed when I first read that story. But you know what? It says something about who we are as a nation and as a people, the notion of who is God, what is God up to. And for many people, God remains nameless until they're in a fix and they cry out to what they think is God. For some people, God is a force, this, this force. For others, God is the universe. And you've heard that. The universe is now determining. For some people, God is unworthy of trust. God is distant, God is up there, if God is there. And this idea of God being present, I, I, you know, for some people I can't, I can't understand that, they would say. But what a contrast we find in today's reading. The Lord shows up, and we've been noticing how the Lord just keeps showing up in Jeremiah's life. And the Lord sends him on a field trip. And if you are interested in reading the 52 chapters of Jeremiah, I want you to read it and count the many ways in which God uniquely sends Jeremiah on a field trip. This is one of them. 
God tells him, as we heard in the reading, go down to the potter's house and there you will hear my words. And I love that. That God is not distant. God is not silent. God speaks and God wants us to hear his voice. And so Jeremiah then does what we just sang. Where you go, I'll go. If you say I should go, I'm going to go. And so Jeremiah goes in response to this living God. And when he gets to the house of the potter, he sees the potter working very hard. He's pumping the wheel as he is turning and molding and shaping that lump of clay. And with great skill and great dexterity, Jeremiah says that the, the potter is making some kind of a vessel. Maybe it's a bowl or a cup or a vase. But then as he is working on the clay, as he is working on the clay, something happens and the clay gets marred and the potter then decides instead of throwing it out and starting over with a new lump of clay, the potter refashions that lump into a different object. And I love that phrase, if you heard it in the reading, that seemed good to the potter, according to the potter's own standards. And then if you were listening, the point of the story comes into play. The point of the field trip is revealed, and it's in verse 6. Can I not do with you, O house of Israel, just as this potter has done, says the Lord. That's the question, isn't it? That's the lesson that God wanted Jeremiah to see, that Jeremiah would tell to the nation. Can I not do with you, O house of Israel, just as this potter has done, says the Lord, just like clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O Israel. And there's something kind of comforting about that. And many times when we've read this verse, we hear it in a completely different light. But I want you to hear it in the sense in which this text was given, this message was given to the prophet. God is remaking this defective vessel because of two things. Two things. The potter is remaking the defective vessel because of two things. I call it the plasticity of the clay. The clay is responsive. The clay is moldable and based on God's freedom. And really, if you sum up what I want to talk to you about, it's exactly this point. It's this freedom that God has to do what God wants to do, and yet there are times when God will change God's mind because of our responsiveness to God. The God that you and I serve delights in renewing and remaking things out of dust. But I want to say to you again, it never happens without our response and our cooperation. Let me give you an example. A few mornings ago, Judith and I were wrapping up our reading at the end of Mark's Gospel. And Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus, it says in Mark, threw himself on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And then he said these words that you and I have often heard many, many times. He says, Father, for you, all things are possible. And there, 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 there's this notion of the freedom of God, the sovereignty of God, the power of God. Lord, for you, all things are possible. But then Jesus said, remove this cup from me. 
yet not what I want, but what you want. And so Jesus is acknowledging that God the Father can do anything, and yet he chooses God's will over his life. He chooses what the Father wants, not what he wants. And you may call Jesus' response, you may call his response obedience, you may call Jesus' response submission, you may say that Jesus was as clay in the hand of his Father, that he was willing to conform to the Father's desires for his life. And I would say to you this morning that this, our friends, this, my friends, is the secret. This is the secret to a deeply formed life with God. You know that your life is changing when you say, God, I want what you want. I want to be as clay in your hand. Mold me and make me after your will. So this metaphor of the potter and the clay, I believe it's stressing God's will and human responsibility. The passage underscores, though, God's responsiveness to human actions, and it makes us then fully accountable makes us fully accountable sometimes for what often happens in our lives. Now, I got to be careful how I say that. But there is something here about our response to God and how that plays out. And here's why I believe that. And I know you believe this too. We're not robots. In the Greek way of thinking, there is what's called fate. It's determined in the stars. There's nothing you can do about it. In the Islamic way of thinking, there is kismet. It's already set. It's, it's, it's a foregone conclusion. It's fate, and there is nothing you can do about it. As Christians, we say, no, we're not pre-programmed. We're not robots. God created us with the power to choose. There is divine freedom. Yes, God is free to do what God wants to do, but there is also human responsibility and ability to act in alignment with what God wants, or, and this is the hard thing, or to reject what, God's want, what God wants. So God's plan then works through our choices, not around them. Our choices have consequences. And God never forces us to do anything. He never forced Jesus to go to the cross. And some people say, well, yeah, it, it was already set. No, you heard it in Jesus. He said, Lord, if it's possible, take it away. But I don't want my will, I want your will. And you say, well, pastor, where's the evidence for that? Well, look at this verse here. Verses seven and eight in our reading. Notice God's power in verse seven. At one moment, God says, I may declare concerning a nation, Concerning a kingdom, I may declare concerning a nation or kingdom, maybe even in our own lives, that I will pluck up and I will break down and I will destroy it. That's a, a difficult thing to consider that God is Lord of the nations. Nations rise and fall and God says, I may declare that. And you say, how arbitrary. But then notice the human response in verse 8. But, but, if that nation concerning which I have spoken 
turns from its evil. There's a human response now. The word turn there means to repent. If that nation repents from its evil, I will... <laughs> this is a hard thing to consider, isn't it? God says, I will change my mind about the disaster that I intended to bring upon it. Look at the next two verses, verses 9 and 10. And so God says, at another moment, I may want to bless someone. I may want to bless a nation. I may declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I'm going to build it up. I'm going to plant it. I'm going to bless it. I'm going to establish it. And God has the power to do that. But look at verse 10. But if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will change my mind about the good that I had intended to do to it. Let that sink in for a moment. The power, the sovereignty, the freedom of God to act. And sometimes God's actions gets changed and intercepted by our response. I would say to you this morning, it's not that God is wishy-washy. It's not that God is arbitrary or changeable, but it shows the love and the mercy of God that God will consistently respond to our changeability. That's what we were singing, change my heart, oh God. Make it ever new. The divine potter can accept the once rejected. The divine potter can reject the once accepted. And so we get to verse 11. And Jeremiah really brings it home in verse 11. He says, Now therefore say to the people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, thus says the Lord, Look, I am a potter shaping evil against you and devising a plan against you. God is saying, I am orchestrating, I am molding, I am shaping circumstances to bring judgment on you. But it doesn't have to be this way, is what I hear as I read verse 11. Turn now. You hear the urgency. God said, you know, in Ezekiel, God says, I take no delight in the death of the wicked. Turn now, all of you, from your evil ways. Amend your ways. Amend your doing. And it's as if God is saying, if you do that, I will then withdraw. I will smash this clay that I'm intending for evil, and I will remold it as a clay for blessing. And ultimately, if you read the rest of Jeremiah 18, it is a very grim, grim, grim passage of judgment. Two things happen. The people said, we're tired of you, Jeremiah. You, everything that comes out of your mouth is doom, doom, gloom, gloom. We don't want to hear you anymore. That's number one. And secondly, he says, guys, can we figure out a way to kill this guy? I mean, literally, they got together and they said, let's kill the prophet. You don't like the prophet's message? Then kill the messenger is essentially what they were saying. So I'm saying to you this morning, if you're going to delve into the prophets, it's going to be heavy reading. It's going to force you to rethink your version of God, your version of your freedom, your version of your life. 
But then we must also hear when we read the prophets, the bad news. Read the prophets, hear the bad news, don't turn away from the bad news, don't ignore the fact that in the long run, there is such a thing as judgment. Don't, 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 don't turn God, don't caramelize God. Don't do that, you can't do that. And don't try in your mind to do that. There is such a thing as the justice of God, which comes though after a long train of overtures of love and grace and mercy. But the judgment come eventually in response to the choices that we make. We're coming to the communion table here in a moment. And I pondered that. I kept saying, Lord, where is the good news in Jeremiah 18? And the Lord reminded me that, Ray, I actually became the potter. I became the clay. I allowed my life to be broken. My life was shattered. I am the king of glory. I laid aside my glory and I took on your clay. I took on your flesh, Ray. I bore your cross. I died for your sin. I laid down my life on the cross so that you, Ray Hilton, could be set free. And I said, okay, God, I get it. God became flesh from the dust of the earth. We were created. God became one of us. God became clay. And he suffered for Israel. And he suffered for the nations of the world. And he suffered for you. So what's our response? Because we have a part to play in this. Our response then is to ask for mercy. Beg the divine potter, Lord, forgive my sins. I trust in Jesus Christ alone for my salvation. I believe that he died on the cross for me. I believe that he died for all the mess that's in my life. You are the potter. You are the clay. And you have come to save us. And so as we come to the communion table, let's remember these wonderful words. And I used to sing this song years ago, something beautiful, something good. All my confusions, God understood. All I had to offer this God was brokenness and my strife, but God made something beautiful out of my life. And that's possible because Almighty God became clay. Jesus became clay and was broken and was buried and was raised again for you and me. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.